Good morning, good afternoon. How you doing out there today, wherever you are in the world? This is David Roberts for the Marketplace of Ideas podcast. Hope you're having a wonderful day as we enter into the the fun that is fall. I'm just here folding some laundry. Started doing some. I was listening to a podcast earlier on today after I dropped one of my kids off to school and realized, hey, there's a uh, there's something that's been rattling in the old brain for a little bit here, and I've been seeing on the news, and I just wanted to kind of talk about it for a little bit. Hopefully, this adds some value to you and your experience. But before we get started, I want to let you know that you can find the Marketplace of Ideas podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, you name it. We are there, rocking and rolling, having a good time. Join us. We've got snacks and cookies galore. Now, we don't have cookies, but maybe we will if we have like a live studio or something like that. But anyways, um, so what I was talking about was something I saw in the news that has been perpetuated on every media outlet for the last two and a half to almost three years. And it's something that's kind of like a running commentary within business and the economy, which is uh, the labor shortage, or i.e. the great re, uh, what do they call it, the great uh, resignation that took place last year. And so we've been seeing, you know, companies and small business owners stating that after the pandemic uh, has sort of waned a little bit, like we've, you know, we're kind of coming at the end of it now. Uh, our, our government just today announced that on October the 1st, all traveling restrictions will be gone. Most, if not all, you know, places that are not medical, uh, you know, that aren't healthcare oriented, like, you know, doctor's offices, dentist offices, most of those places, you still have to wear a mask and, you know, they want to make sure that you don't have COVID, but everywhere else, it's like a free for all out there. And with the coming flu season and everyone's back into school, you know, it's, it's going to be quite interesting. But now that, you know, the pandemic's sort of waning a little bit. We're starting to hear of businesses wondering, hey, where are all the people? Because the, the the understanding was, okay, once everybody... Because, you know, we had to basically head home if you weren't an essential worker and sort of shelter in place for the last couple of years. And you were getting either CERB, which was the Canadian benefit. Uh, I don't know what the United States called theirs, but other countries were given out, you know, just money to help people just stay afloat if they couldn't go to work. And if you were lucky enough to have a job where you could work from home, you know, or other things, uh, then, then you were, you were doing okay. But for other people who had to go into certain jobs or, you know, you couldn't stay at home. If you're a chiropractor, you can't crack someone's back over the internet. And if you're a, a dentist, you can't, you know, clean people's teeth, um, online. So everybody thought once it was all over, everyone would come back to work. Things would, you know, get back to what it was prior to the pandemic. And things were, you know, kind of slow in 2019, 18 and 19, but it wasn't as bad as the pandemic was. And everyone thought, oh, we're all going to come back. But the economy doesn't work that way. And you can't just flip a switch after you have supply chain issues, you have issues with, um, you know, with just everything coming from China and other places that had supply issues as well. It just... Um, it caused a lot of havoc, you know? And so I just wanted to talk about that a little bit because driving home the other day, I saw a sign that says now hiring. We saw, I saw another sign looking for workers, every restaurant, um, 
fast food place you could you could think of right now is looking for people to work. Um, there are shortages all over the place, from trucking to um, rail railroad work to construction work. To everybody is just begging for people. And I was thinking about why that is, and I have a theory, and I don't know if it's legit or not, but I. I thought it made some kind of sense. And again, I'm not an economist by any means. I, I do read a lot of that information and I find it very fascinating and very interesting how much of our lives are controlled by the people who tell us how much our money is worth. You know, it's just very fascinating to me. So I started thinking and wondering when the pandemic took place, if you would, um, when it really hit hard for us here in Canada, which was March, uh, end of March, 2020, Everything was shuttered with, with some, in some cases over a weekend. I remember my friend called me and asked me, cause I, you know, I, I work, I was working at a gym at the time. And basically what happened is our premier in our province of Alberta basically said, look, we don't know what this thing is. We've been, if our, you know, if our statistics and our projections are correct, this could wipe out a lot of people. We don't want that on our hands. So restaurants, movie theaters, anything that were volume-based businesses were just shut, shuttered literally overnight. I remember going to work on the Friday and the next Monday, everything was closed. And I remember just driving downtown and seeing a ghost town. It was so eerie because it was right around that time when the snow's melting. So everything's kind of that brown gray color. And we see all the stuff left over from the winter and it was just looking, it was looking barren. It was, it was looking crazy out here. It was looking nuts. And you just felt this feeling of something is different. You know, this is really weird. And, you know, the NHL closed down, the NBA, the um, baseball was talking about, you know, not coming back for a season. Billions of dollars were going to be lost in ad revenue. Um, airlines were, were calling it quits, you know, like businesses were shuttering left, right, and center around my area where I was living. And so, yeah, we were able to get some funding from the government as a lot of people were, and you just tried to survive. You tried to get by the best you could. You know, I would rush into the store just to get groceries with my mask on, you know, um, and you go home. You know, you miss family gatherings and all these sort of things, all these important events. I have friends who had kids that are two years old now, walking and talking and everything. And you're like, I missed two years of your life, you know? But so we had that. And then there was more talk as the year went on into 2020 and into 2021. Hey, when are we going to open things up again? Hey, other countries are opening up. Hey, what, what, you know, what's going on here? Do we have a plan? Do we have a sort of like a strategy? And our government bumbled the ball, I will say that, but this is two year, two and a half years, almost three years after, so hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's easy to, you know, Monday morning, Monday morning quarterback it and say, ah, well, they didn't know what they were doing, and the truth is nobody knew what they were doing. You know, you had people on one side of the equation saying that this is going to be the end apocalypse zombie, um, uh, zombie virus that's going to turn us all into flesh eaters. Uh, day walkers. And then you had people that were like, ah, it's just a cold. Forget about it. It's getting blown out of proportion. It's a pandemic, You know, it's, uh, it's been set up by the Democrats and the, the liberals and the fed and, and so I'm taking a drink of water here. And it was, it got wild, man. But people were like, look, we get that people need to be safe, but we're starving out here. And 
you felt bad for the small business owners or the medium-sized business owners that were like, look, we, we're, we can't make it. You know, I can't tell you how many gyms that shut down in my area, how many restaurants just couldn't keep it going because you can't re-sign that lease, right? If you're in the middle of it and you still got to pay, even though you furloughed your, your staff, you still got to pay that rent. And some people were just like, I can't continue to pay thousands of dollars in a lease, in insurance, in security, um, advertising and marketing for a product I can't sell or for people I can't bring into my space. The same went with movie theaters. AMC went bankrupt, if I'm not mistaken. Um, one of the large movie chains in the United States. It was just, it was, it showcased the folly and the fault in our capitalist system that depends on having people working, working in, in jobs that they um, that don't have any leverage, you know? And that are still going by an old business model of, you know, having people in the, in the store, that's how we're going to make it, you know? So it was interesting to see, you know, companies and corporations and and governments try to, try to balance the, 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 the ever present threat of, okay, do we open up our economy again just to have to close it down because we're going to have a massive influx of people into our healthcare system. And the big problem was... And I remember hearing this from like politicians and stuff who were like, look, we want that, you know, this is a a once in a generation pandemic, you know, and this is something that, you know, we haven't seen since the blue, the blue, since the black plague kind of thing. But the more the government couldn't pay indefinitely people to sit at home for a two to three year period, it would bankrupt us and cause us to kick so much debt down the line to our great, great, great grandkids. We would have, it would have turned us into a, I don't even want to think about it. It's the road to serfdom. It's the road to, um, you know, I don't want to say socialism, but definitely a road to where, I mean, we're talking hyperinflation, which is what we're kind of seeing now, but we'll touch on that in a minute. So the theory was once the, the check stopped coming in, everybody's going to have to go back to work. Here's the problem. This pandemic didn't take place in three months, six months, or nine months. What happened was this took place over the course of a two and a half year period, dare I say three. So your, your payments that you were getting for your, you know, CERB or your, your, your EI or your, or, uh, unemployment lasted for roughly 12 months. Now, in some cases it was extended for 16 to 18 months, but that was it. And what you were getting wasn't the exact amount that you were working with. So I know for a lot of people, the max, the max they could get is like, excuse me, two grand a month which isn't bad, but if you were making, say, three, three and a half, four, or even upwards to five, and you're laid off, that's a huge, you know, dip in your living quality of life. Like, what are you going to, you know, you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. It's like, hey, do we, do we pay the light bill? Ah, Okay, we won't pay the gas bill this month. Okay, we'll let, we'll, or we'll take a little bit from what we would pay from the electrical bill to pay the insurance and all this other stuff. It's all this juggling that took place. And a lot of people just weren't able to do it. Foreclosures took place. I mean, we had an uptake in spousal abuse, in violence, um, drinking, um, Netflix usage. It was just bad news bears all around. And what took place now is, okay, your, your, your check runs out after a year. So now you're like, okay, well, I still, I, I got to work. I got to go out 
make a living. Either it's through the gig economy, through online, through you know s- selling services or products, whatever. But I can't go back to what I was in before. And so with the restaurants still remaining kind of closed and having, if they were open, it was ridiculous restrictions that were very, very difficult to manage and to even make a go of it because the model was based on something that just wasn't practical anymore when it came to restaurants and movie theaters and amusement parks and everything else. So, or travel or airfare. Uh, And so people just had to find other jobs. They had to find other industries, other maybe white collar, you know, like starting at entry level white collar jobs, working at accountant services or law offices or whatever, because the other jobs just weren't there. Now let's fast forward to today. We are, it's open kimono, right? I mean, it's, it's winner take all. It's like, it's, it's a free for all. And what we had is people looked at that and said, okay, that's cool. You guys are open again, that restaurant or that bar or that nightclub or that, you know, concert hall or that, you know, nonprofit or whatever. But a huge amount of those people had to leave and find something else. So now the restaurants are back and everything, but the people that were there are gone right? And then on top of that, you had the elder, I'd say like from 55 and up in all these industries, the baby boomers who make up an an unbelievable amount of our working population right now. They just took early retirement. I was talking to a teacher recently about how much of a shortage they have in the teaching field. I spoke to a nurse about this in the nursing field, um, bus drivers, they, people who are 55 and up who were the, at most at risk to get this virus and die from it were like, screw this. I'm out of here. I'm taking early retirement. I'm cashing in my RSPs, my 401k, selling the house. I'm getting, I'm getting the hell out of Dodge. So now not only do you have the people that left the industries that they were in that were like, Hey, I don't, I can't, I can't do this anymore. You know, I'm stressed out as a nurse or a teacher you know, if you were going through at the height of it, there was no break. You couldn't take a vacation. You couldn't leave. And so people were like, just F this, I'm out of it. I'm, I'm leaving the whole profession altogether. I'll go back to school. I'll do something else. And then on top of that, like I was saying before, you have all of these people who are 55 and up were like, I'm out. So to come back into the industry now, let's use restaurant work, for example, you know, let's, let's throw out a number. You know, I haven't checked this, but let's say, 50% of the people that you would have been able to hire are no longer in that industry anymore. So what do you do? You know, you, you try to sweeten the pot and raise, you know, have a higher, a higher starting wage or more hours or better benefits. But what, but then what happens is that has to be absorbed either through extra cost and a rise of cost to the consumer or the company has to take that hit and hire less, you know, hire less people, which then frustrates people who are waiting in line for their sandwich or waiting f- to get a plumber to fix their, you know, their, their, their bus, their, their blocked up sink or an electrician. Like it's, it's damn near impossible to find anybody, not because people are lazy and not because people don't want to work, but one, we have record inflation over the last Over the last 40 years, we have not seen rates this high, and they're going to get higher because we didn't take our medicine back in 2008 when the housing market collapsed, and we didn't correct the ship and start to create things in Canada, the United States, Britain, Australia, wherever. We, We just 
you know, pushed, pushed it down the line, got bailed out. And moral hazard is something that's insane because, you know, the banks just bailed out these large companies. So rather than taking physical responsibility and us taking the hard, bitter medicine of having to curtail our spending, bring back some of that, that, that stuff that we, we make in China and Indonesia and Venezuela and Vietnam and start to make it here and deal with the fact that you can't just have, you can't just try to bypass the American and Canadian worker by not paying the union, not paying OSHA, not paying all of these other organizations and just go for the cheap buck, right? And our governments were on the take as well because they're getting money from companies like Amazon and Walmart and whoever else that have no unions, right? No, no, no go between to say, hey, we as the, the workers want a bit of the take of what you guys are making because we're on the front lines, right? And so all of this <laughs> melds into this perfect storm of lack of physical responsibility on not only governments, but also civilians. The fact that we had a once in a century, once in a generation, like, you know, event that caused capital, our, you know, our economic, you know, system to shudder for months on end and to start that back up again is so, it's so painful. And now we have inflation because so much of the, the dollars that were given to people are now being, you know, brought back into the, the marketplace where, you know, it's, it's costing you, it's ridiculous. Like to buy a loaf of bread, orange juice, a jug of milk, all that kind of stuff. It's insane. And I'm going to be having another uh, episode speaking about how to handle the inflation coming this week. And we're going to be talking about how specifically with food, how to kind of um, curtail the cost of everything. One is going vegan, which I've done over the last couple of years and you save so much money, but uh, we're going to be talking about that uh, early next, uh, probably later on this week. But all that to say, we're in a, we're in a place now where We've lost a good amount of the workforce. Some have just left it all together and retired. Others have just decided, hey, screw it. I'm just going to, you know, go into something else. And so the jobs that, you know, perhaps may not have been as, as glamorous, may not have paid as much. People are saying now, if you even want me to come to the interview, right? Because I've got five or six or 10 other interviews to go to. What are you going to offer? I'm not going to step, I'm not going to do this for minimum wage. You know, I'm not going to flip your burgers for, for less than such and such. And so there's so much power within the labor, the, the, the portion of our economy and the portion of our population that's on the labor side that it's frustrating to a lot of business owners to see, okay, if I want to hire five or six really good people to work in my gym or to work in my restaurant or to work in my, you know, um, gas station, whatever, you know, I'm having to fight just to get people to show up to the interview. Forget, forget even showing up for the job on time. I'm just, I'm waiting for people just to actually take the interview. And that's in every sector you can imagine, because again, so many people said this wasn't worth it. I have to leave. I mean, you could imagine if you're somebody who is wearing like a mask, you're triple vaxxed and you're talking to people in a lineup at Walmart and you're a cashier, people are coughing on you. You know, Amazon, uh, I believe, um, earlier last year, before one of their, one of their um, fulfillment centers unionized in the States, there was rumors coming out that, like, 
because of the demand of these products, everyone was like, okay, no breaks. People were getting COVID left and right. Uh, this was in New Jersey. And they just didn't care. And so you got to think to yourself, okay, I'm, if you got kids, you got a wife, you got a husband, you're asking yourself, yo, like, do I want to die working at Walmart? Do I really, you know, do I want my life to end making burgers for these, for these mofos? And my kids are left with no, nothing. And it really, and I, and I feel, and this, this is a, a bit of, I want to say a rant, but this is a bit of my take on a lot of the, the workforce right now, because we were told for centuries, we were told for decades, take the safe option, right? Don't, um, don't take the risky path of going into the arts or going into music or entertainment or something that's beyond your reach. If you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, you know, that's, you know, like go into something that's guaranteed that'll give you a steady paycheck, you know, nothing that's too risky. And what happened is people who followed that advice went into these, you know, into like data processing or, you know, working at an office or whatever. But because of the pandemic, they were made redundant. Their jobs were lost. And so you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, I took the safe path and I got laid off. I'm on an, I'm on unemployment. I'm, I'm struggling. Da, da, da. You're, you're at the same place you would have been if you took the thing that you really wanted to do, whatever that was, you know, and all the risks and the, you know, the hard work that would have been involved with it, be it you wanted to be a doctor, but nobody in your family has ever been a doctor and it's going to cost too much money and da, 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 you know, so you took the job that was safe. You worked at the plant or the mill or whatever, and nothing wrong against working at a mill or a plant, but if that was your number two thing, not the, the one thing you wanted to do, well, shit, now it didn't matter anyways because everybody was laid off. Everybody was sheltering. So you might, so there, you saw a real shift in the mindset of a lot of people. And that culminated last year at the great resignation where people were just quitting left, right, and center. Videos were going viral of people just quitting saying, F this, I'm out of here. <laughs> like, like take word to Dolly Barton. Take this job and shove it, right? People were leaving. People were dropping stuff like a bad habit. And it was go like, and this was causing a lot of panic. If you ever watch MSNBC or Business News Nightly or whatever those, where they were claiming that people were lazy, that people did not have the, the, the hoop spot to work. Uh, this year in particular, now the, the trend is quiet quitting, where people will quit by doing the bare minimum, like, oh my gosh, leaving at four o'clock when that's the time you're supposed to leave, like not taking your work home, you know, work-life balance is a thing that's now being pushed. Uh, mental health is being pushed within the workforce. You know, this idea that your job is not your life. You don't work, you don't live to work, you work to live or wait, wait, sorry. Uh, yeah, you work to live, not live to work. Yeah, sorry. You know, so there were so many people that were like, look, I don't want to die because of this job. I don't want my family to have to put, you know, to, because I contracted COVID and can't breathe and I need or get, you know, or have one lung left. Now I'm, you know, I'm on disability or whatever. And I, I'm so people literally, and I, this is one of the things that really warms my heart because when I worked at the, at the last gym I was at my, one of my friends and I had this, had this thing where we called it creating jobs. So we would, 
<laughs> we would take tasks that would probably, you know, one person could do, and we would literally make sure it, it needed three or four people and it would take double the time, right? Creating jobs, making sure that we were needed, you know, creating redundancies <laughs> within the system. And I was always the rebel rouser, you know, telling people, leave when, you're, when, you're, when your time is up. Don't come in early. Come in exactly at the time you're supposed to start, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And to see people taking that advice on is beautiful because at the end of the day, these companies and corporations do not care about you. You are nothing but a number. You are nothing but a statistic. And I kid you not, by the time, if you had caught COVID and you had passed away on your job, before your body was cold, before your carcass was in the ground, there, an ad would be up on Kijiji, an ad would be up on monster.com. I don't know what they got in the States for hiring stuff. Um, Indeed, I guess, is another one. That position would be up there before your funeral was over, looking for another new person. And so this feeling that's been the undercurrent of a lot of tension between, you know, the bourgeoisie, the proletariat, all this type of stuff, um, the labor, the laborers and the, you know, the owners of industry, I, I believe came to a head and it took a pandemic damn near almost losing your freaking life, you know, to have people wake up and say, there's nothing wrong with working. There's nothing wrong with giving your all at a job. But asking yourself, yo, like, do I want to die here? Is this even worth it? You know, I don't care how much money it is. I don't care if you're making nine bucks an hour, 900, 90,000 a year, 900,000. If you're in an environment that's unsafe, if you're in a place that does not give you the freedom to spend time with your loved ones, if you're always looking at your phone, your email, if you're on call. Now, again, I want to preface if this, if you're like a firefighter or a policeman or, you know, a doctor or a lawyer, maybe, you know, like there are certain jobs that come with the territory and you know that, okay, my life outside of this work could be interrupted at any time because I'm on call because a fire could break out or a shootout could happen. And I need to get, I need to get my, my gear and I need to go. It could be three in the afternoon, three in the morning. It could be at the eve of your brother's wedding, or it could be at a bar mitzvah, whatever shit goes down. You got to go, right? You got the beeper on you, you know, you know what it is, right? And then, so you sign up for those jobs knowing, okay, you know, I could be like, as a nurse, I could be on 12 hour, 16, 24 hour rotations, doctors as well. Like, you know that, but for everybody else where it's not life threatening, you know, it's not the military, it's not the police, it's not all this kind of stuff. It's you're working at freaking Indigo or you're, you're working at, at Arby's or something. People really took a, a stand and were like, no, we're not going to take, like, you know, we're not going to take it. You know, we're not going to take it. Ah! You know, like we're, we're, we're not going to stand for this anymore. And it, there's that groundswell. And a lot of people thought that it would just kind of simmer and die down, but it's still going strong. And a lot of the factors I mentioned before about, you know, so many people leaving the, the workforce, taking early retirement and finding other jobs have caused the service sector and a lot of these other industries to have to, to fight for people, right? And there just aren't enough bodies to, to fill the demands for, for housing and for construction and for, you know, you try to find a contractor right now to fix your house. I mean, I guarantee he or she 
has got like five other jobs on the go and 20 other offers. Like you're just one of many. So get in line. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's batting down the hatches, baby. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be a bumpy ride waiting, waiting to get things fixed, right? Or be willing to pay more. And, and so people are seeing that now and they're valuing the fact that, you know, on your deathbed or on that proverbial porch that you're rocking on in the 80, when you're 80, you know, if we're blessed to get that, to get uh, that far, what are you going to look back and value? You know, are you going to sit there and think, man, like, I really wish I worked longer hours and, you know, I didn't, I really wish I didn't see my kids grow up and, you know, spend those quality moments that mean, that give life real meaning. Ain't nobody going to give a shit about, you know, how many reports you did. You know, you showed up early and left late and, you know, you were, you, you grinded and you hustled and, and all of this. It's a zero sum game. We got to work to pay our bills. I get that, right? I got laid off from my gym job there and, you know, I had to go and get my, my certification and make sure everything's up to par. So now I could train people in the evenings and on the weekends, you know? Um, so now I'm independent, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but you got to pay your rent. I'm not saying don't pay your bills, don't pay your mortgage, but our culture, Western culture in particular as a whole, and I'm sure all throughout the the world has kind of woken up a little bit. And all of the stuff that was being said by, you know, people such as Richard Wolff and, um, oh, there's another economist I follow, um, uh, Joseph Stiglitz and who else? Noam Chomsky, people like that, you know, power to the people, very, very socialist, very, uh, ideals that they have about worker um, rights and everything else was like, look, these companies don't care. They legitimately don't care. Like I've sat in meetings talking to higher ups, you know, and I I wasn't a higher up myself, but just, you know, just shooting the shit and, and hearing how they talk about people who they're going to hire and fire and, you know, reading various emails, um, that I probably shouldn't have in certain jobs where, you know, you hear how they, they really think about, about people, about their staff. Um, so, well, I want to kind of kind of wrap this up. I don't want to ramble too much, but um, recently I saw a report that showed that Home Depot, in the pandemic, was able to make close to forty-four billion dollars in in sales. Um, and I'm not too sure how much of that was profit because you know they gotta they gotta pay their bills too, but. Let me just see here real quick. Okay. So during the pandemic, there were a lot of companies. Yeah, so there was an ad written by the Washington Post. I wonder if I can get bring it up here. Or, no, it's not coming up, sorry. Uh, so this was, yeah, so this was December 22nd. 2020. So this was just the first year of the pandemic. Amazon and Walmart have raked in billions in additional profit during the pandemic and shared almost none of it with its workers. Good Lord. Uh, so it's that Jeff Bezos and the Walmart hares or owners or people have grown $116 billion richer during the pandemic. 35 times the total hazard pay 
given to more than 2.5 million Amazon and Walmart workers. So this is an article right here. I'll just quickly, this was by Brookings, uh, The Avenue. Uh, this was written by Molly Kinder and Laura Statler on Tuesday, December 22nd, 2020. So it says, uh, the COVID pandemic has generated record profits for America's biggest companies, as well as immense wealth for their founders and largest shareholders. But next to nothing for the workers. In a report published last month, we found that many of America's top retail and grocery companies have raked in billions with a B, during the pandemic, but shared little of that windfall with their frontline workers, who risk their lives each day for wages that are often so low they can't support a family. This is especially true of Amazon and Walmart, the country's two largest companies. Together, they have earned an extra $10.7 billion over, the, over last year's profits, during and largely because of the pandemic, a stunning 56% increase despite this surge we ranked Amazon and Walmart among the least generous of the 13 large retail and grocery companies studied in our report. The two companies could have quadrupled the extra COVID-19 compensation they gave to their workers through their last quarter and still earn more profit than last year. Through the, through the end of 2020, the total additional COVID-19 compensation Amazon and Walmart will have provided their frontline workers represents only a small fraction of the company's extraordinary earnings and an even smaller percentage of the stunning pandemic-fueled wealth created for their richest shareholders. Stock prices for Amazon and Walmart have soared 70% and 36% respectively since the start of the pandemic. Meanwhile, workers' wages have grown only 7 and 6% by the end of the year, even after the new December bonuses that the two companies announced earlier this month. Since March, the fortune of Amazon's founder Jeff Bezos, the richest person on the planet has increased by $75.6 billion. Uh, now, this is before Elon Musk took him over. Uh, that sounds kind of sexual there. But maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know how they, I don't know how they get down. But um, Elon Musk, I, I believe, at the recording of this, is now the world's richest man with Tesla and his SpaceX uh, company and all that other stuff. But at the time of this, Jeff Bezos was, uh, was balling out of control. Um, so basically... His, his net worth increased to 42 times the cost of all pandemic hazard pay that Amazon will be giving its roughly 1 million workers through the end of this year. The wealth of Alice and Jim and Rob Walton, billionaire heirs to the Walmart fortune and the country's richest family, has grown by $40.7 billion since the start of the pandemic. 26 times the amount of hazard pay pandemic hazard pay Walmart will, will, will have provided its more than 1.5 million associates by the end of 2020. Now, I could read on and on, but this is just depressing, looking at my own bank account and listening, <laughs> counting another man's profits. But all that goes to say that I want to end this with just three points. One, F these companies. They don't care about you. It, it's wonderful to see businesses not suffering, but having to deal with the fact that so much of the country right now, America or Canada, is going through it. And when I say going through it, I mean going through it. You know, um, access to, um, to increases of credit is at an all-time high. Trust me, I checked mine at the bank. Um, you know, applicants coming in for the food bank is now gone up because inflation is hitting people in their pockets, gas and... You know, the cost of a home is now pricing people out of the market. And it, it leads, it, it's, it, 
it leads to this feeling that something is not right. You know, the pandemic basically fast forwarded and, you know, just hydro boosted, you know, into warp space, warp factor 10. What, what on the track that we were on, because, you know, with inflation and everything else, it's really showcasing the fact that we as a society at this moment in time are facing just financial disparities that you wouldn't believe. The the have and the have-nots have never been the, the gulf between the richest and the poorest in our nations are growing at an astonishing rate. Uh, Robert Reich, who was the former Secretary of the Treasury, uh, no, uh, former Secretary of Labor under Bill Clinton, um, wrote a book called uh, oh, what was it? It was um, it was a book, and it was also a movie, and it was basically talking about inequality for all is the name of it. And he talks about what happens in societies when we have on the one side the people who are struggling to make it; they're playing by the rules. They are they went to school, they got an education, or they're working in the service industry, or they're working in the trades, or they've gone to a trade school, and they they did things by the book. But the problem is they didn't get the same type of education that the sons and daughters and friends and family and people who hang out with hedge fund owners and real estate agents. There's, there's two different languages being spoke when it comes to education and financial literacy. You know, if I were to tell you that your home is your biggest asset and you were to say, yes, I would say, I know what, (laughs) what camp you're in, right? If I talk about ETFs and about derivatives and I talk about, um, you know, stock payouts and everything else, and you tell me the importance of that, then I know what camp that you were raised in, right? And so the level of education has to change, and the, what we teach in our schools has to change when we talk about money, and we talk about wealth, and we talk about capital gains, and all the, these things need to be talked about. I talk about them all the time with my house when it comes to money and saving and everything else, and, and how start to look into investing and to remove debt or at least learn how to use debt smart and intelligently, right? But these conversations aren't being had, and so you're going to have this gulf, and you're going to have this issue. But also, we're starting to see a real divide when it comes to technology. And COVID shot that right out of the water, where if you didn't have access to reliable internet, you didn't have access to um, the ability to work maybe from home or remotely, outside of like, you know, the doctors and the dentists and, you know, stuff like that where you needed to be hands-on in order to save a life. There was a real divide. Um, Education-wise, we saw that as well, you know, because a lot of kids couldn't, if you didn't have enough money to afford, you know, high-speed internet, you were at a disadvantage by get, you weren't, you weren't able to get your, your assignments. And so now almost three years after, you know, I've spoken to some teachers who, who said that some of their students are so far behind, some of them may never catch up. You know, and we're not, we're not even counting what, what gets lost in the summertime, you know? So technically you'd almost have almost like five years in total of loss as far as like education and things of that nature. But I think this is showing us what we as the people need to do when it comes to just the economy, when it comes to work, you know, you have to walk into a situation where you're working and, and realize and say to yourself, I'm going to do my best I can at this job, at this position, whatever it is. I'm going to save like a mofo. You know, I'm going to keep my debt low, but I'm also going to look at what I can do to better myself outside of this job. Because it's no longer 
you know, and I, I, you know, one of my friends in particular, who I shouted out on this podcast for darning his socks, um, you know, he and I and some other friends, you know, some of the, we're some of the cheapest people you'll ever meet. And, you know, we'll joke about it, we'll laugh about it, but the reality is if you're not willing to be as frugal as possible, heck, wear the same jeans for 10 years in a row, whatever, but you're saving your money, you're putting it away and putting it towards something that's going to cure, cure value. Maybe, maybe it's, it's low yields, you know, low, low risk, you know, uh, bonds. Maybe it's, you're putting your money into literally companies that produce salt and freaking and oil, like, you know, not, you know, crude oil, but like, you know, canola oil, you know, I, I read a, um, a statement that said the more boring and more unsexy the investment is, the better it is for you. So if you're investing in like cotton, there's nothing sexy about that. That's not NFTs and, you know, Bitcoin and all that, but people got to wipe their ass. So they'll need, you know, they'll need, they'll need the cotton. Uh, they'll need paper. They'll need pulp. You know, people got to, people need salt. You know, people use it. Baking soda, you know, stuff that's not sexy, right? Um, needles, you know, for, um, for hospitals and stuff like, you know, people. So, and I think the, the last thing I wanted to point out is that you have to have a mindset that when you walk into a job, you walk into a position, you have to separate, there has to be a separation of church and state, right? And and like I said before, unless you are, it's a job where you have to be on call, you know, you got to be able to say, look, I'm at this job and it's whatever is not part of my job description. I'm not doing it. Right. A little dirty secret I found out about Fit for Less, the former place I was working at, they did not hire back their cleaners while I was there. They laid them off. And so what they did is they transferred those duties onto people at the front desk and their front desk staff, which meant that they were charging a fee for cleaning, for their, for, you know, to pay for extra cleaning, but they weren't actually paying their workers extra money. So they were trying to recoup their losses because the gym that I was at, they lost literally almost 50 to 60% of their clientele within the course of less than 12 months, you know, and if, and if they don't, and if they didn't have such a large base, you know, coming in there, they would have gone under as well. And so companies have been doing all sorts of sleazy shit to get by and to hurt people. Air Canada literally was given money by our, by Christy Freeland and our government to furlough not fire, but furlough their workers. They they ended up firing them and paid their 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 shareholders and the board, you know, board members a bonus. You know, and and so you look at that and you see, okay, how how much longer can you as a as a worker or as an employee play the game of I'm just going to go to school, do what I'm told, sit down, shut up, show up on time, and act like a robot. I hate to almost say this, but you have to go into a place of work and literally whatever is not held down, you have to be able to, to use that. And if it's, if you're selling, you know, their toilet paper on the black market, you know, if, or, or you're siphoning their soap to use in your house, whatever you got to do, you got to do it. You know, there's, there's a, there's a benefit to being scrappy and to being, you know, not fancy. And so if you're, if you're willing to kind of think outside of the box and, you know, think a little bit different, you're going to survive. But the people that 
are just kind of going with the flow, going with what they're told when it comes to work and everything else. And, and like I said, don't, I'm not saying don't show up to your job and don't do your best that you possibly can, but keep your, eye, your eyes and your ears to the street, you know, realize, Hey, like listen to, um, like if you work for a large company and they're publicly traded, they have to talk about what they made the last year. Listen in on those, on those meetings. They're public for everybody to listen to and, and check out what's going on. Is there like a corporate takeover coming up? Does it look like you guys might be bought out by a other company and made a subsidiary of another company? You know, the person who, and I, I, I'll end it with this. I'll end it with this point. The person who's able to kind of predict and see what's coming on the horizon is going to survive. Word, um, there was a rumor that Donald J. Trump, former Prime Minister of the United States, had gotten a heads up by his contacts in the HWO, the World Health Organization. A lot of his counsel were saying that this COVID thing that was coming from Wuhan, China, was going to be bad. They didn't know how bad, but they knew it was going to be bad. It was going to be a doozy. And a lot of senior members in, in the Senate, in the White House, in America, and other, com- other countries, I'm, I'm betting, that had knowledge prior to this thing hitting land, you know, hitting landfall, as it were, before it hit, put their money into various companies or got out of various companies that they knew would fall, that they knew would falter. And a lot of these people put their money into companies that were going to produce vaccines and things of that nature. And so it just goes to show you that if you're not keeping abreast of things, when COVID hits or the next, the next pandemic hits, if you're not prepared, you're going to get screwed. And it's just thankful. I'm just very thankful that right now we are seeing people kind of wake up a little bit and actually hold their their economies to to task and saying, look, you can't just treat people like a bag of garbage, right? People are people and they're not to be just used and abused, you know, cast to the side, right? I mean, we've seen that time and time again, and it feels like people are starting to rise up, whether this will be something that is, you know, over the long haul, it's, it kind of seems like it, but only time will tell. So, yeah, hopefully this is something that, um, you know, kind of helps you out a little bit. As, as I was saying before, this is something that we've been seeing on the news repeatedly time and time again about worker shortages and about labor shortages and just not having enough people to actually do the work. And so I took a little bit of a, of a dive to kind of see, okay, what's really going on here? Like, why... Why is this really happening? And I, and I just, that's just my theory. I'm, I'm sure there are far more educated people that have looked into this and have, you know, better um, theories. But that's just my two cents about the whole thing. So just want to thank you for listening. Hopefully you have a great, wonderful rest of your day. Until next time, take care and be good to one another out there. Peace.